0: Hello, this is Jesse and Cal and we are back again, continuing, I hope, giving you something that you can use to make your life richer and better and healthier and happier and, you know, take us, each of us to a little bit better place. That's kind of what our goal is in this in one way or another. So, um, uh, Jesse, last time we talked quite a lot about heart math. And um, I wanted to report back to you that I, I actually did some homework with that. Nice. Um, and uh, so you, uh, you gave us just a, a quick thing to do where we uh, let's you tell me if I got all the steps right now. Um, so I'm going to place my hand over my heart, start to breathe into my heart, and then my goal is to take my brain into a place of, uh, you, you suggested compassion was a good place to start. Uh, have I missed anything important
1: as part of that process? So that's great. So the the actual steps are just as you said. When we put our hand over our hearts, called the quick coherence technique. Mm-hmm. I need to, what we ought to do is maybe post. And I did post the podcast on my Facebook page. Okay. It's Jesse Field Call is my Facebook page, and Cal Sellers okay. is your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And so we can, you know, we can post some of these instructions in writing, but the quick coherence technique is the first thing you want to do is shift your attention from your head, because we're always in our head. It's funny, when I first get on, I've done so many radio shows and podcasts, and still to this day, when I first get on, I'm like sweating a little bit, nervous. And I love that, because it only gives me one place to go from there, which is relaxed, to calm, and having fun. But it never fails for me to feel like that, so it gives me a good... Reason to practice my breathing. So shifting my attention from my head down into my heart, and that's why we put the hand over the heart. And I did actually do that. I had just forgotten
0: that as I was reporting back to you. So okay, go ahead.
1: And then we just begin to breathe as if we're breathing in and out of our heart, or chest area, a little deeper, a little longer breath than usual. And then we just shift into a positive motion. Maybe remember a time when we felt compassion. Or maybe a time, uh, you know, when my my mom told me that I was something special, you know, and repeated that over and over and over again. Okay. And, you know, what that felt like every time I heard her say that, whatever it is. And remember a time where we just conjure up an emotion, compassion, appreciation, and then breathe that emotion in and out of the heart or chest area does amazing things anyway
0: so perfect so i did pretty good okay um uh, for for a beginner i think i did all right um so to give you some background on on what my experience was with that i need to share with you and i'll try to do it briefly um a little bit about um my my history so um i actually started into um being interested in natural healing when i was just a child i was four years old and um So as you might imagine, since I've studied that my whole life, it's led me all over the place. And one of the places that I got really excited about was this area of Chinese medicine called Qigong. And there's some weird ideas out there about Qigong. So let me just be absolutely clear, really quick for our listeners, about what Qigong is, okay? So the best way to understand healing Qigong there are martial forms of qigong too where you strengthen something so you can fight. But um uh the the best way to understand healing qigong is uh in China thousands of years ago uh the way the the medical system worked is the doctor, the physician was employed and there wasn't just a physician, there were also other people who were considered medical that helped with other aspects of keeping your life healthy. It was actually a very fascinating time. I'm not going to go into all of that right now. That would be a whole podcast. But, um, but the physician was employed by the town uh, to take care of the people. And he was required to take care of everybody in that town. The only thing is, he didn't get any extra money for having you in his office more. But he was required by law to take care of you. So you can see the ingeniousness of this, right? The people, no matter how poor they were, got medical care. But instead of the government, like, paying extra if you were extra sick, the physician just got what he got. And what that meant was he was motivated. Jesse, can you imagine what his motivation was?
1: It wasn't money. wasn't the FDA. Right.
0: It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> money. Right? It was to keep you out of his office. Yeah. Right? Right. He wanted to keep you out of his office. And um, so uh, I, I don't think... Um, Well, I don't want to get too political-minded, but um, I I don't think it's possible to have socialized medicine that really works as long as the motivation driving it is still drug companies making loads of money, right? right? The motivation has to be, I want to keep you healthy so I never see you so I can go hunting and hiking, and in the case of the Chinese physicians, meditating in a cave somewhere, right? right? So then it can work. Uh, In any case, it did work for thousands of years. No problem. Nobody ever went bankrupt. But the physicians worked on uh, some way to make even the ignorant, even the poor, even people with no education, be able to learn a system of keeping themselves balanced and healed. And that's where Qigong came from. These are exercises that move your, your body and they also massage your internal organs. They keep energy flowing that tends to get blocked. So they would look at like what's... What's always stuck in my patients? What tends to get stuck all the time that I keep having to work on, give them supplements or herbs or or do do a massage or do acupuncture to get that moving? So what can I do? And so they developed this to keep that energy moving. And what they found out was at some point that, that nobody would even have accidents unless they first got blocked and then they would have an accident. Um, and um, so They kind of reject, they did reject for thousands of years. They rejected the idea that there was such a thing as an accident, right? Accidents are a symptom of blocked energy. And um, so anyway, that became Qigong. Now, um, I know I'm taking a little bit of a long way around the barn here, but uh, I became quite a student of Qigong, and I know several forms well enough to teach them, as well as medical Qigong, which is a little more... I don't want to use the word allopathic, but it's kind of like that. Like you come in with a problem and you get a treatment. Um, And uh, uh, among other things, there are some meditations that you do where you go through the energy pathways, through the energy centers, through different acupoints, mentally in your body to make sure everything's free, to stimulate healing and correction. And um, while I've known how to do this for decades now, Uh, I really have only recently begun to work on like completely correcting the energy structure of my body. It has been amazing. However, interestingly enough, my heart, which has been physically injured as well as emotionally injured, uh, I was having troubles getting the energy to go in there. I couldn't even get my attention in there. I could get my attention everywhere else, but I couldn't even get my awareness, and I'm pretty aware, but I couldn't even get my awareness in there. There were also other areas of my body that I knew I was in phase one fix. So in Chinese medicine, there really are three phases of, of I, we can use the word cure or repair or healing. The superficial stage, you're just bombarding something that doesn't have any energy flow with energy. Okay, that's what you're doing. And then once that starts to move on its own, then you're trying to tonify or stabilize or normalize what that energy is like. And then finally, the energy switches from trying to self-regulate the energy to fully integrated with your tissues. You're less aware of the energy as a separate entity, more aware of it as part of you, and the tissues then tend to spontaneously regenerate. And um, so I've had enough actual personal experience with Qigong to know regeneration is not a myth. That's a real thing. Okay. Um, So I could see some areas that were stuck in that first phase. I was just bombarding them with energy. The energy would get there. Now in my heart, it wasn't even arriving. But I could get the energy there. But I wasn't transitioning to that next stage. So after doing the heart, actually after the very first day. Uh, That morning, early, which is when I do my meditations, um, I could tell the difference. I could absolutely tell the difference where I went. And physical symptoms that I would like tell a doctor, I would have reported positive changes in, even after the first day. Um, and, uh, And that got stronger and better each time I did it. In fact, I feel bad that I didn't do it yesterday. I was just so busy yesterday. I was traveling and didn't get it done. But I feel bad about that because I feel like I would have gained a little more this morning. You know what I mean? So, uh, and I know you're you're not judging, but um, but I am. I'm I'm just excited to go forward with this. So, um, so I I tell you this. This is these are all very very true and very real. And um, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a hard sell sometimes Chinese medicine because it <clears throat> it begins a little upstream with the energy of things, and then you start shifting that. And then the physical body, which really is a manifestation of that, um, begins to change. And so it's a little bit of a hard sell if you're a real atomist, mechanist, believe, you know, force against force is all there is in the universe. You know, yeah. um, a little hard to, to make that transition, but, um, but uh, everything I've told you is true. And I've had enough experience with it that I'm not guessing anymore. Like, I, I have no doubt whatsoever it's not just force against force. And it's definitely not just placebo. This is a real phenomenon that changes you. And then your physical body changes as that precipitates down. So anyway, thank you for that. I'm going to continue doing the the heart math because it absolutely has made a difference in my life. So I, I think I took longer than was necessary perhaps to tell that story. But um, I don't there's there's so. my return report uh, on the, uh, the homework you gave us last time. So. I would
1: love that. I just get lost in time. It can, you know, it'll be two and a half minutes for me and it's 45 minutes later. So <laughs> I can't even tell. But yeah, that's... That's really uh, awesome. By the way, when Cal, or, Cal and I are doing these podcasts, we're sitting across a table, which is about, what, three feet wide. Something like that. So we're fairly, you know, we're in each other's space, and we're, we're literally watching each other. And, I'm, and as I'm watching Cal tell this, he's very animated. He's very full of energy. He's very telling the truth and, and with confidence and, like, authenticity. And I love that. You know, that's, that's one of my favorite things that we get to do here uh, that people can't see yeah. because it's just audio. But anyway, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's really good stuff. And, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, terms that a lot of people recognize like chi and prana and, you know, those Eastern types mm-hmm. of terms. But we can just call it energy body. Right. It's just all energy, right? And, and as the energy, you know, it's like when we die or before we come into the body, There's nothing going on, right? There's no energy in there, right? It's pretty much dead. It's that spiritual energy that animates everything, makes the whole planet and people and everything alive. Um, You know, it's kind of funny, uh, I don't know how much we want to get into. Uh, If you've ever watched The Matrix. I've watched the first one many years ago. Okay. so. So. I would recommend for anyone that has or hasn't watched The Matrix, watch it again. And then watch it again and watch it again. Watch it regularly until you really understand. It's a movie. It's a great movie, and it's fun to watch. It's a blast to watch. And the good guys win and all that kind of stuff. But it's a documentary about our, our fundamental reality is really what it's about. So anyway, I won't get into all that. Uh, people that know The Matrix, they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so one of the things that we mentioned before in the last podcast was the observer effect. It's actually a quantum physics scientific principle Mm -hmm. and basically what it is, the observer effect, there was a a research project, there's been several studies done on this, but one in particular that I recall, um, was, it was a, I believe it was a fourth grade class And it was an experiment, so they pulled this kid out of the special ed class, fourth grade class. And they put him in this classroom with just the regular kids. And they told the teacher that this kid was one of the brightest kids in the school. I like where this is going. He's really, really got it. He's got got maybe some social issues or whatever, but the kid is brilliant. And you're going to see that. So really imprinted this teacher with that belief, right off the bat. So that teacher treated that student exactly like that. Mm -hmm. And guess what that student did? Became top of the class, became top of the class. Now that's a powerful, especially when it's an authority figure. But it really doesn't matter if it's an authority figure. What matters is the power of the belief and the emotion in that belief. Right. Because when you have a, a positive belief about something or someone, there's a, there's a factor, an element, a quality of an open heart in there. Like, oh, wow, this is really great. I'm so excited to have this kid in my class. He's going to make me look good. I'm going to help him. It's going to be the sky's the limit, you know, whatever it is. So that observer effect is really important in, for me, how I interact with people. I see them, I see to the heart of people, I see them as just awesome. Just, And I can just see qualities and it's, you know, whether it's, you know, it's never just physical, but, you know, the, the way they carry themselves, um, you know, even their pain, how they deal with their pain, how they process their pain, you know, you can pick these kinds of things up very easily when you get used to feeling the energy of other people. Mm-hmm. But when you see someone as a brother or sister, you know, made from the same place, the apple pie. You know, you've heard the the, the uh, story about the apple pie. You get an apple pie, you cut a slice out of it. What 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 do you got? A slice of the apple pie, right? So I see the the father is the apple pie. I'm just an extension of my father, mm-hmm. right? So I'm part of the apple pie. So is everybody else, good, bad, or indifferent. So as I learn more and more how to view people like a spark of God, that's how they behave. Right.
0: And I think that's a wonderful thing. And you know, uh, um, having started our conversation talking about Chinese medicine, which some people may feel is just a little too nebulous for them, at least outside of the domain that and they we're consider not talking the, about the CCP.
1: We're talking <laughs> about the Chinese five thousand year history. That's correct. What I'm about. Correct. So
0: um, you know. Uh, uh, but, uh, but I'm going to throw something a little more concrete. Uh, there's a fellow who wrote a very popular book um, in the 50s, I suppose, uh, or maybe in the 40s anyway. Um, and you know him too. His name is Napoleon Hill. And he wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich. what's interesting about that, but well, there are lots of interesting things about that book. Um, in fact, he talks a lot about uh, creating the life we want. And most of the book doesn't even mention money. Um, but one of the stories he tells pretty early on is about his son that was born without the organs of hearing. And he absolutely refused to accept that his son could not hear. And he, um, <clears throat> he totally believed, was 100% committed to the belief that his son was going to be able to hear. There was going to be a way. And his son actually developed the ability to pick up vibrations in the bone of his skull wow. and translate it into sound. Wow. And um, unheard of. And uh, eventually, much later, um, he became, you know, they, they they learned how to, like, implant uh, hearing apparatuses in the bone. Um, and he became part of that development. But prior to that, he could hear and speak. And it was because Napoleon Hill absolutely refused to accept that he couldn't. Yeah. And um, yeah. so we talk about observer effect. I think observer effect... Is something that throws a monkey wrench into stuff we think we know. But rather than thinking of it as a detractor from things we think we know, I think the way you're thinking, we should be using it as an amazing tool in our lives. Like how you observe others is gonna make all the difference. So that brings me back to something that I wrote down in in my notes in preparation for today's um, discussion. And that is the thing that really affects most how we view others is the character and quality of who we are. Um, so um, you can start out to try like today, <laughs> I'm going to observe everybody you know, as a brother. But that's going to take a lot of work to develop because you're, you're not just changing a mindset. You're changing a heart set. Right. You're changing uh, some parts of your physiology that have been thinking the old way. And um, so you're changing your character. That's the way I would say that. Yes. And um, uh, one of the authors who I've I've read in times past, he's a, an advocate for eating raw food. His name is David Wolfe. And David Wolfe uh, has written a couple of books, co-authored one and, and wrote one himself. Um, very interesting books. One of the things he says is, he says, we should think of detoxification. So lots of people have heard of detoxification. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a cleanse, right? I'm gonna detox. I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna juice fast. I'm gonna take enemas. I'm gonna take herbs that clean me out. Whatever, right? Um, but he says the essence of detox isn't just cleaning out impurities from our body, but it's taking us from this realm where we we sort of resonate with things that are that that are toxic, that are destructive, that are you know win lose scenarios, that are um, competition-based, that are envy-based, that are fear-based, and we go to a higher place, a higher place, we start to resonate with different things, and those old things, the death, the fear, the anger, the jealousy, the envy, the um, uh, those lower vibration things that make us sick, the toxicity, start to precipitate out. They just start to fall out of our life because they don't fit anymore in this place we resonate with now. And... Um, <clears throat> So, I think that's really important, Ben, and, and, um, and also ties in with the heart math discussion because uh, we're trying to take our awareness into a place of wholeness, kindness, compassion, um, words like trust, um, you know,
1: tr- words that. That's my word of the day, trust. <laughs> okay. That's what I. Every, every morning I, I take a knee and I say thank you, and I say, give me my, my list and whatever you want me to have today first word that came was trust accept trust but exude trust right right yeah
0: and 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 i think we underuse in fact i think this is a muscle that in modern society tends to be very weak uh which is the muscle of making a choice of how we're going to view people and things and situations uh it really is a choice it's a choice to have faith it's a choice to trust it's a choice to uh to love, to believe in, to have compassion. Those are choices. And people tend to act like they're victims of those things. And um, and I just think that is a travesty that we don't exercise that muscle more of like, this is my choice. I don't just accidentally feel this way. But um, this is my choice to be this way or to be different. And, um, and uh, so we can choose to start taking up to that higher uh, place where we resonate with better things, let the toxic death, illness, you know, all those ugly words fall out of our life. Um, yeah. And uh, so, anyway, um, and take tying that back to the observer effect. Uh, if we become that kind of person, then how we observe people is going to make them better. And and that's what yeah. I take away from what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. is we should make it our goal. That the way we observe people tends to elicit from them a better version of themselves. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome?
1: Yeah, and I get better because of it too.
0: Right. Wouldn't it be amazing if the whole world just did that? Like, how different would that be? If everybody just walked around like, I'm going to observe you in a way that elicits from you a better version of you. Like, how cool would that be?
1: Yeah, and so, you know, you talk about it being, being a muscle. Which means, you know, whether or not I can get into that state of compassion or state of trust, like feel it in my body. For one second or 30 seconds or five minutes or a whole day or whatever it is, I I always have to practice. I always have to because I'm either going up or I'm going down. And I'm not not above getting in anger and even hate sometimes. And I've certainly had my fair share of shame. And I'm I'm happy that I don't live in that anymore. But I had that going on for years and years and years. Didn't know how to do it. And I was a certified heart math trainer, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's this point that, and this happened several times in my life, but something happens, something shifts. And sometimes I don't even realize it until I'm looking back 2020 and I went, oh my gosh. And it was usually because... I went beyond a fear. I moved. I just ran through the wall of that fear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I was forced to by the circumstances, and I had to make a choice to do it. And other times it was just, this is a good idea to just move past this fear.
0: I've, I've had a theory for a long time, Jesse, that, um, that the only real adversarial weapon that there is that pulls us down is fear. That that's the only one that everything else that's negative is some subset of that. Envy is fear that we're not gonna get enough to fulfill us, that we're gonna go through life functioning less than somebody else. It's a fear. We call it envy, it has a different face, but it's a fear. Um, Anger is always a fear. You're afraid of the person doing it again, or you're afraid if you don't respond with anger, you're gonna lose something or be wronged by that person. and uh, so it may not be true, but it's a good theory, I think. I think it's That, great. Yeah, that, it's uh, true. that fear is what drives that. And, and um, it's a real challenge to overcome fear. It's a challenge when you feel fear. I think, at least for me, it's a challenge when I feel fear to go, I don't have to choose that. I don't have to believe in that fear. Like if I don't defend this fear, I'm going to lose something for the rest of my life or something bad's going to happen. Yeah. I don't have to believe that. I can believe something different <clears throat> and therefore behave different, get a different outcome, and as we're saying, observe other people differently.
1: Yeah, and and uh, as you bring that up, I'm thinking, uh, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, alchemizing. It's its just a word that means, so when I'm in a state of, of, uh, we should start talking maybe a little bit about the consciousness scale later in, in other episodes, but there are there are levels. There's a breaking point um, on the emotion, the types of emotion, positive emotions versus negative emotions. We'll just stick with that. And say I'm feeling a bunch of anger or fear or frustration or whatever, and my body is really feeling that. And to alchemize that, I, you know, it's natural. It's just something that I do automatically. Um, I, I don't just jump out of the fear, or jump out of the. I, I process it first.
0: So if I can, just just really quick, Jesse, um, uh, some of our listeners may be a little distracted by that word alchemize, but probably everybody's heard of alchemy. Yeah. Right. And um, alchemy, like the famous thing about alchemy was this idea that maybe you could turn lead, which is abundant, into gold, which is worth lots. right? So it was this transformation of something useless or problematic into something really valuable. Yeah. Heavy so. and useless.
1: Yeah. Thank you for doing that because I, I I get off in these tangents and I go wait a minute that's a word maybe that people need to have defined. Yeah. So yes, alchemy. So we're talking about changing
0: now the 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 character the lead mm-hmm. inside us yeah. to gold inside us. Right. All right. Go ahead.
1: Thank you. And, it, and it's just energy, right? It's all it's all literally energy. Whether it's dense and by the way yeah. the heavier emotions are the negative emotions they're heavier when you feel. Now, now, hate and anger, they can drive you. They can get your adrenaline going for a minute. You stay in them, they'll wear you out. And shame is one of the, the darkest, deepest, heaviest, lead-based crap lie that you can live in. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel it. Deal with it. Right. Whatever's causing that, deal with it. Now, I'll give you an example for me doing, doing amends. So I just did an amends recently with a, with a friend of mine that had been weighing on me for some time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and I owed this person a man's. It was hard to pick up the phone and call him. And first, I kept getting the wrong phone number and kept leaving people messages that weren't his. And finally, <laughs> I finally got it. I see. <laughs>
0: and so anyway, well, it, it's like it's like fear. Um, you know, I'm I'm. We've been down on fear this whole time, but. If, if a tiger is chasing you in the jungle, it, it may be. Now, maybe you have enough yeah. kind of self-control and inner communication. You can, like, just communicate peace with that tiger, lion, whatever it is, right? But maybe fear is going to be temporarily useful. But it's useful as a communicator, and yeah. then fear very quickly becomes the enemy, right? Absolutely. It, it Very quickly, even as you're running away, if fear is all you got, you're going to make worse decisions than if you can let go of fear and think of something a little wiser, right? Right. So communications of those emotions are fine. I agree. But it's when they become, oh, we're going to keep that in our pocket. And yeah. Like our safety deposit box yeah. we're hauling around. Yeah.
1: So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So my whole point was with, with, with doing amends, that is, a, <clears throat> that is a tangible way to lift negative energy off my shoulders. Do the right thing. And it's over. Right. I, g- I make better connections, better friends, when it's done appropriately, done correctly, and done authentically for the right reasons. And that's literally physical energy that I don't need to carry around anymore. Gone. Makes me, it makes me literally lighter. Right. So that's one tangible way that people can understand what alchemy is and people can do. Now, the other way that's just how I process the emotions is just do the heart math stuff. Now, as you said, a lot of people might, in the beginning, experience some of what we call a heart wall or blockages, being able to connect with their heart. It's usually because they're trying too hard or they don't, they just haven't got the feel for it yet. So really, it's just a matter of practicing. And if you can't get into compassion, don't worry about it. Everybody knows what a little bit of courage feels like. Try courage, right? Try an positive emotion that you're acquainted with.
0: And and what can I, I just that? say, as far as um, continuing my feedback, you know it um, it transformed my my inner, my meditation practice, as I said. But there is something that happened to me. Uh, in fact, even most recently, it still happens a little bit, and I think it'll continue to happen because it seems like the sort of thing that a person might have to go through a process with. And that is I experienced a kind of a kind of heart detoxification. Not a physical detoxification, but an emotional one. Where I tried to bring in compassion and I found things being stirred up that were like pushing me off, you know, kept pushing compassion off center stage, you know. And um and I realized like this is me going through this process of detox I talked about. Like I'm trying to get up here, but actually I'm ashamed to say that I've been living down here, right? So I, I've got all this baggage I've got to throw off as I climb the stairs up to where I want to be. So yeah. yeah it's just baggage, it's just traveling. <laughs> <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> Didn't need that after all. You know it. It amazes me how much stuff we hold on to that just has only negative intrinsic value you know it's only benefit or it's only value is to to harm us and yet we cling to that uh fiercely as though uh somehow that's going to protect us and of course it never does that's a lie you talk about a lie that's a lie holding on to those negative things never ever protects us it always hurts us um we just tell our stories tell ourselves stories about you know like well if i'm not angry at this person maybe they'll do it again well that's that's Completely untrue, has nothing to do with whether they'll do it again or not, and in the meanwhile, makes you weaker, makes you tireder, yeah. and uh, makes it awfully hard to help that person who's done. You know, You know, Jesse, you know this very well, and so do I, and so do our listeners. You know when you do something that injures someone, that is a painful, heavy burden for you yes. to carry, yes. right? And nobody's exempt from that. It is hard to live the life of someone who injures other people. That is a hard thing to do. And, um, and more than anything, those people that may injure other people, um, more than anything, what they need from us is the kind of thinking, the kind of observing that's gonna help them be better. And isn't that what we really want? As
1: long as they're not sociopaths. Well. As long as they're not sociopaths.
0: I don't know, Jesse, if I believe there's a limit to it. I think I think it might be possible. Uh, if enough of us were good enough at, at the positive observing effect, we might be able to elicit change even in a sociopath i
1: i 'm just not sure what the limitations are i don 't think we ought to put limitations on I, I could be completely and totally wrong about that and <laughs> you 're probably right i'm just I, I say that because, here's the here's a here 's a uh, scenario you create. Let's talk about the Maharishi effect a little bit for a minute. you know what the Maharishi effect, have you heard of that? So, I, I don't think so. It's just, the Maharishi was the guy that brought over transcendental meditation from the East, made it popular okay. in Hollywood, okay. and it's yep. one, of the, one of the tools that I've learned. And it's one of the most well-studied uh, meditation practices scientifically. So, but the meditation effect of the Maharishi effect is basically just means when you get, just like doing heart math in a group, or you get the spirit in a church or a temple, it's a similar type of thing. It's when you have that group coherence where you're in a state of compassion, it's a coherent state, and the uh, magnetic field from the body goes out several feet, can be measured several feet from the body, interacts with other people's energetic fields in their hearts, and as you have positive and more uh, high-frequency uh, emotions that are connecting with a, in a group of people, the larger the group, the stronger the power of the field that that creates the less likelihood that crime can happen, statistically, or any kind of negativity can happen. So, my scenario is is when you create that with enough people, it makes it very difficult for a sociopath, or a say I, I don't want to say Satan, because he's, just get, just get him out of here, he's not even important in here. Uh-huh. But, you know, the Hitlers of the world, the, the people that have done a lot of damage, like we created a coherent field, and it doesn't even take that many people. we've had, there's actually a, a a formula for it and it and it comes out to about point one percent of the population, if I remember the right yeah. that's not very many people that's no. like, that's like uh, nine thousand people to create coherence for the whole planet. Now that's a really powerful coherent and people have to be trained. but if you had, you know, if you had 20,000 people across the planet learning, knowing how to go into a constant 24-hour coherent state, even when they're sleeping, which I can't do, um, you would have massive, statistically verifiable, massive changes on the planet. So, anyway, that's what the Maharishi hershey effect... I oh, that, that's Tangier. great. That
0: is great <laughs> stuff, and it's important stuff, because... Uh, I do think that for some of our listeners, uh, the hardest thing is going to be letting go of past injuries done against them because they're afraid of the outcome and giving them the power. Hey, let's say right now we're giving you the power. You've always had it. We're just alerting you to the fact that you have it to actually make people want to be better. And that's what we really want. We don't actually want someone, at least most people, don't actually want someone to be punished for doing something wrong. What we really want, really, is for them to be better. The only role punishment has is we think maybe that will keep them from being bad in the future. But what we really want is for them to be good in the future. And so that's what we really want. We really want to help them be better. So I hope that's a takeaway we can do from this experience is, is get um, a few more people, every chance we get, to let's be part of the solution, really. Like, let's have the observer effect that changes. Maharishi, am I pronouncing that? Maharishi effect. Maharishi or effect. you just call
1: it the meditation effect,
0: or yeah. the and, effect. And I've actually heard many years ago another guy talking about it, totally different, um, in a form of Qigong I learned called Chi Lel. And he suggested that we might all do Qi at a certain time with positive intention on our world. That everybody around the world doing it would do that. And that was many years ago, it was 20 years ago yeah and and, uh,
1: and even in our own methods we pray in the west, we meditate in the east, I pray and meditate it's in the scriptures mm-hmm. but the method the name doesn't doesn't matter,
0: matter. right doesn't matter yep. same energy so uh so yeah thank you for that so um one uh one thing we talked about early on, I think we're getting uh pretty pretty into this here um but I had hoped we would go through the 12 tools. Any idea how long those are going to take
1: to run through for us? Well, we we would want to just, just do one or two at a time. Okay. But well, we could do the first one. These are the heart math tools. Okay. So go ahead. Let, let's do
0: that. That would be a great way to finish up uh, for you to share with us, I think. Uh, yeah, you one bet. One of those so, 12 tools.
1: So this is a heart math. Um part of heart math class that maybe at some point we could teach a class between the two of mm-hmm. us um, and it's basically it's called the attitude tool so I mentioned this earlier you know, when we have these, these fears these negative outlooks these concerns valid concerns about what's happening in the world today um, when we have negative ones and we feel negative emotions and there's a lot of stress and fear it literally suppresses our immune system, it suppresses our ability to, uh, to interact positively, positively and effectively with other people, um, to get things done. It just, it's just an energy drain. So this one's actually called attitude. And I'm just going to read from it a little bit and then we'll go through the exercises. Probably most people have had or still have some old attitudes and perceptions they want to change for the better these attitudes may include being judgmental I'm I'm sometimes judgmental of myself impatience edginess with others and self-critical I've been often self-critical of myself so I get this the following technique can help us to replace undesirable attitudes with more positive and effective ones that prevent predictable stress accumulation because it does accumulate yep as your heart's intuition Ask your heart's intuition to alert you to all the old habit patterns that don't support your well-being. Just ask your heart. Literally, you can just silently, and over time, you keep doing that, your heart will tell you. Just like the blockages, it will come up. You will get them. And so this is the exercise, the attitude breathing technique, it's called. So this is step one. Recognize the feeling or attitude you want to change and identify a replacement attitude. So a suggestion is your, if your habit is being overreactive or frustrated with people, the replacement might be increased patience and kindness, something like that. So you just recognize that. It's the first step. Step two is focus your attention in the area of your heart, and this is the quick coherence technique partly it's all integrated. So focus your attention in the area of your heart. Imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or chest area and breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. Just find an easy, easy rhythm or an easy pace that's relaxing for you. So and when I do this one, um, when I first started doing this this breathing part focusing my attention in my heart or chest area. Um, You know, it was a five-second inhale and a five-second exhale that was suggested. So I practiced that. And it seems like it was a little bit, you know, it was a little bit outside my comfort zone, so I picked a four-second one. Now, after practicing for many years, I'm not even comfortable doing a five-second one. It's it's anywhere from uh, 10 to 15 or 20 seconds. So maybe 10 second inhale and a, a 10 second exhale. And then I even go slower and slower than that. Okay. And that really, when you shift your breathing like that with your, fo- with your attention focused in the heart, amazing things happen in your body. And the readings, when we have the heart math tool that we can, we can run through sometime, maybe at a class, you can really see some amazing things that are happening within the body. Okay, so I s- spent enough time on step two. So step two, again, is focus your attention in the area of your heart. Imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or chest area. And begin to breathe a little slower and deeper than usual. and Just find an easy pace that's relaxing for you. Okay. Step three, as you continue heart-focused breathing, practice increasing the feeling of your new replacement attitude. So a suggestion is, if you can't find a replacement attitude, just breathe a feeling of calm or neutral through your heart area for a while, this, it, it takes practice. This often magnetizes feelings that lift our attitudes and perceptions. Step four, practice maintaining your new feelings and perceptions as you move through your day-to-day interactions. So practice, practice, practice. And this attitude breathing technique will literally shift it'll give you a new ability. It may take a little bit of practice at time to- at first, a little bit of time at first, but the more you practice it, the easier, obviously the easier it will get.
0: Um and I was thinking as you were talking, um are 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 you are you done with that? Okay. I was thinking as you were talking that Um, You know, occasionally I'll have someone come in to my practice And I'll try to teach them something uh, And and many different things in many different parts of of life Usually some kind of exercise And I'll try to teach them something that to me is so simple And they'll find that, that they can't do it And once we reach that point where they really can't get there I find that there are two kinds of people and not that I'm helping the world by, by labeling you, right? M- my goal here is to motivate people to not be type 2, right? Type 1 goes home and they will keep practicing it and keep practicing it. And what happens is neurologically, your brain will write a pathway yeah. to be able to do this activity. And it's really bizarre if you've ever gone through trying to learn something that you couldn't do. And kept trying until you could do it. It's fascinating because you can't do it, 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 can't do it. it, And that may go on for a month. And then all of a sudden, one day, you can do it. And it's because your brain has finally finished writing that pathway. You imagine it in your head. You try to do it physically. And pretty soon, you can do it. And I don't know anybody who's stuck to it who doesn't eventually end up being able to do it just fine. Type 2 goes home, that's too hard, I can't do it. Maybe they're struggling with having enough brain energy to take it on. I don't want to judge them. But I do want to say that regardless I can of the reason, that, by the way. <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter what the reason is, 100% of the people who are type 2 fail to ever successfully do the exercise. 100%. Okay, so it simply doesn't matter what the reason is. It may be totally understandable. I may feel the same if I was in their shoes, but the point is that doesn't help anything.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I have a saying I'm I'm overly fond of. I think it, it goes like this. It says um, there are m- a good many things that are understandable that are nevertheless unacceptable. And um, so the truth is, if you're trying to make your life better, if you're trying to actually be better, if you're trying to help. Uh, have a positive, healing, uh, enlightening effect on people around you. The truth is, you simply—if you want those things—you have to take the path that leads to them, regardless of how difficult it is. It just doesn't make any difference how difficult it is, right? If that's the result you want, you can only get it by taking the path that leads to it. I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say, right? But you know, a hundred percent of the people who came from Thane to Afton followed the road they got started on it and they stayed on it until they got all the way to afton 100 percent of them you sound like my mother. <laughs> you know like, <laughs> so i don't mean to sound like, you know i don't know if that's good it. or not but, well, that's awesome. but my, my point is that we need people to take this in hand if you're going to do an exercise an activity like you just gave us i know there are going to be many people who they're they can't even imagine that they're aware of something more positive, you know? Um, and uh, there are people who, when you tell them, you've got to, you know, listen to your inner voice, they're like, what inner voice? Yeah. I don't have an inner voice. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Even though they're listening to their inner voice when they say, I don't have an inner voice, right? <laughs> so uh, we, the only way we can get there is to put in the due diligence. And for some people, this kind of thing comes easy. And for other people, it's going to be very difficult. But, uh, the only way we can get those results is to go that direction, and those who go that direction will get those results, and that's what I want to say. Like, st- be a believer. Be a believer. Yeah. Take take a chance. At least believe. Be that a you believer. Can become a believer. Right? Yeah. Um, when when my wife was sick with our first baby, there was a moment where I had I had an inner norm moment. Actually, I I really believe it was providence. I really believe it was inspiration from God. But regardless of how you think I got the information, there was a moment when I knew what we needed to do to get her well, because she was throwing up 14 times a day, couldn't tie her own shoes, couldn't go to the bathroom on her own, um, you know. And um, when I started her on that, for three days she continued to throw up. Right. So I had to take a leap of faith. I had to be a believer. I'm like, I know this is true. I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to be detracted from it. And guess what? Actually, late in the day on day three, she started doing better, and on day four, she was fine. And um, and we were able to completely cure that. She had a healthy baby by the end of the pra- by two weeks later, she was up out and around. She was able to go out again. Um, she just had to follow very strict guidelines, right? Um, but. I tell you that story because there was a window there where it didn't look like it was working. But I had to have faith. Yeah. And I think yeah. if this is something that's a struggle for you, you're probably going to experience something like that. There's this window where you just don't feel like it's working. Yeah. But it yeah. works. This is something that always works. You just have to take the path that leads to it, even if it's a hard path. So, um, that's all I've got to say to Jay. Jesse, anything you want to give us to finish up with?
1: I, I, you know, I think, uh,
0: did, I, did I mention the mustard seed? You didn't mention the mustard seed. <laughs> I actually wrote down
1: the mustard seed. I have something cool to tell people about mustard seed. What did you want to tell them about the mustard Excuse seed? Me. No, the mustard seed should have been the first sentence out of my mouth. But I, I, I was given a special gift today from a friend of mine, and it was a little tiny mustard seed in a little tiny bottle. And she handed it to me, and I said, oh, it's a little pebble. She said, no, dude, it's a mustard seed. <laughs> 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 Remember, you planted a mustard seed. You can move mountains, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh, yeah. So the mustard seed. So I'm going to
0: tell something that, you know, m- everybody is aware of part of the mustard seed story, right? Little bitty seed, uh, there, is a, there is a Middle Eastern tree that will grow out of a little bitty mustard seed, right? Um, so they're all like talking about how it's just a little seed, but it grows really big. It's not really a tree, but it's kind of a tree. um, Sort of an exaggerated shrub. Anyway, however, there's something very few people know about mustard seeds, it's exciting. I gotta hear it, I gotta hear it. Um, Within every seed, there is what is called an endosperm. And the endosperm is what the growing seed eats between the time it starts to grow, it activates from its dormant state, and the time it can actually pull sunlight and soil and water, and grow itself into a plant, okay? So there's this window of time where it has to live on endosperm. Now, before I tell you about mustard seed, and you can probably guess by the time I'm done here, I want to tell you that if you've got loads of endosperm, you can start and stop, you can fit and start, you can throw down a little rootlet here, wait, see if it actually rains, you know, you can goof around, Right? Um, which is what grains can do. Grains can actually goof around. They don't have to do much. They can sort of play with it. They can actually grow a little. That riplet can actually die off. They can grow a new one um, until they're growing. Mustard seeds, however, have the least endosperm across the board of any plant family. Okay. So I'm going to suggest a new interpretation. Not, now, I don't want to remove the old one, but I want to give you a new interpretation of the idea of a faith as a mustard seed. And that is that it's not just the quantity, but the kind of faith. So think about it. When a mustard seed decides it's time to grow, when it gets the stimulus, hey, it's time to grow, which nature sends it, right? It's warm enough, moist enough, soil enough, grow It has to grow and not look back. Because if it goofs around, it doesn't have enough endosperm to survive. It will die every time. The only way it can grow is when it's time to grow. Grow and don't look back. Another verse from from Scripture comes to mind from Luke. I can't quote chapter and verse, but it says, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And I don't think that's meant to be fatalistic as much as inspiring to us of the kind of attitude we must develop in ourselves if we hope to get there. And that attitude is, I'm going to go for it and not look back. And honestly, people, honestly, please believe us. The kind of results we're promising here come when you go and don't look back. No matter how hard it is, no matter whether you fail at first, you just go, don't look back until... You get a mustard tree or whatever.
1: Yeah. So. And these are not hard things, by the way, that we're, we're demonstrating and showing.
0: No, I, and I agree. Oh, I think there are going to be people things. who perceive it as hard. And that's, that's understanding. And, and I hope that uh, I've, always been, I've always been a little bit of a herder. I want to corral as many people as will, yeah. right, and get them to not give up. right Because there. there's a lot at stake. We, literally we, if we get committed, a small group of people, it gets contagious. We change the whole world. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm looking at our world thinking, we need a change. There's some changing going on here. Yep, yeah, in a nice, positive way. Nice, positive so. way. All right, thanks, Jesse. Let's call it good. Thank you, Cal. Have a good night. Awesome, thank you.